0: live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast your host Kevin Parker your co-host Scott Martin here on a Monday morning we are back we apologize for the delay if you've been listening the last couple episodes you know mostly what's been going on in our lives we've been pretty busy we're doing a lot of traveling back and forth uh, traveling across countries traveling across states we were yeah, I feel like it's like the uh, the the previous episode in like the in the TV series to remind you of what happened, like last week on Standing room Spartans., uh, the last time we spoke, it was before the docs wedding. We are now post wedding. That was a good time. We were both in the wedding. Scott, you were officiating the wedding. I will say you did a great job. kept your composure up there. Really proud of that. And uh, yeah, we had a great time. and then. I went to Arizona to visit my brother. You had a flight canceled. I had a flight canceled. It's just been a nightmare since then. So we're back. We're back on the microphone. I'm on my AirPods. So hopefully the sound quality is good enough. But Scott, it is Sunday. It is June the 5th. We have some uh, visitors probably leaving campus pretty soon here or already left campus for their official visit weekend. Uh, How are you doing, though?
1: Pretty good. I'm T-minus 13 days to my own wedding. Um, so, you know, that comes with a certain level of household. Uh, I wouldn't call it tension, but stress, um, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But no, we're, we're making it. It feels like it's been literally like two months since we've been on here. Um, yeah. I did get on the microphone, though. I felt like I did a pretty decent job, but I, I don't have a great... Rem- recollection of it one of those like there's too much pressure you just kind of black out after the fact you know you forget <laughs> forget how it went you have to go by what other people tell you um but if i did a good job i credit all of it to my experience on the mic here uh although there's no audience here if i had to podcast in front of a hundred people it'd be a different experience i don't know if it'd be better or worse but it'd be different
0: <laughs> that, that's for sure. What looking around scanning the crowd, there were some dusty eyes out there. So, you that's know, I goal. think you did your job. And, uh, yeah, we had a good time. We had it was some a fun time. Uh,
1: DJ Nico some... made an appearance.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, yeah, after the wet, well, after the official ceremony and, and reception ended, we kind of brought it inside, and our buddy DJ Nico threw down a set. And that was, <laughs> that was entertaining. We'll say that. TJ, to his credit, wasn't the drunkest person at his own wedding, but I will say he was up there. He's on the short
1: list for sure. <laughs>
0: he, was, he was on the short list. Yeah, that, that was a good time. We were up in Leland um, It was a little chilly, but uh, we we persevered. Luckily held th- off. that was one of that was one of the few times where and and all almost all of our audiences guys. so you guys will all know what we're talking about here it was one of the few weddings where being a guy who has to wear a full suit was a major advantage over the women.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I have um, for my wedding black tuxes, right? So the weather, I got mine in the mail.
0: It fits perfect. We're we're all set.
1: The weather is just coming into the two week forecast. So it's really nothing to like bet on at this point, but it's, I'll say this once and once only because I can only put so much like jinxing karma into the universe. It's looking really good, but pretty hot. I mean like mid eighties, which isn't the hottest, but keep the ceremony short. Get me to the bar. If I'm in a full <laughs> black tux, uh, I can't be spending too much time in that sun and my bald head's going to get sunburned too. So uh, Again. I'll take it though. Um, yeah, yeah, so this, it'll be a fun stretch. There's going to be some more chaos in our scheduling. I can guarantee it. I'm going to be in Italy for like nine days. So I don't know what we're going to do about that. But for once, I'll be, well, you'll be back in Europe too. I was going to say I'll be in Europe and you won't be, but I think you will. Yep. Be. I'll uh, be back
0: right before my birthday on June 21st. Maybe I'll record a solo one while you're out in Italy. We'll see. We'll see if there's any news because. Damn it, there is no news other than the visits, which are exciting. There is nothing going on in Michigan State football. Um no, it's, it's but... funny when you scroll through Twitter and the message boards and people are talking about all the chaos in recruiting right now. And again, you know, we say it a million times, we're not like balls deep in the actual like who's visiting where and and you know, who's hot, who's warm, who's cool on these guys. Like we're mostly like, all right, they're scheduling an official visit. I'll start paying attention. They're thinking about committing they're down to the top five. All right. And if you're not balls deep in it, you wouldn't know that really anything is going on in the whole program. Um, again, the visits, we had quite a few this weekend. So, you know, coming out of the weekend, we had, couple five-stars on campus. Uh, David Hicks, the defensive lineman, was the highlight there. Vic Burley, uh, Madden Sanker, an offensive lineman. Jelani Thurman, the tight end. Another tight end, which just seems like we're recruiting a hundred of them. Uh, Bo Edmondson and Jonathan Slack, who are both already committed, were on campus, probably kind of leading the charge in the recruiting side. But um, yeah, a lot of visits and not a lot of noise as of right now, which is to be expected. I mean, it's Sunday. I'm not expecting any commitments on the spot, but not a whole lot going
1: on. We were talking before we got on here about the recruits and who we have so far and the type of players they're going after right now. And the reality for MSU fans is that we are going, we're not used to waiting this deep into a class because the, in general, the trend is the lower ranked you are, the earlier you commit, you got to se- secure your spot. You got to kind of, yeah, reserve your seat at the table. Um, the high four star five star guys, they don't have any reason to rush. Um, some of them have an offer from everyone. Some of them don't have an offer from everyone and are hoping, I mean, you've got camp season and, um, obviously official visit season going on right now. So they typically wait longer. They might wait in the next season. They might wait in the next year before they make commitments. And I think previous regimes have gone after those lower guys. And so it felt at this point in the year that the bag was a little bit more full. Um, But it just means we're playing a higher stakes game. Whether we land these top guys or not is obviously going to dictate a lot. But for now, don't panic. It's not because everybody else is committing elsewhere. It's just that these guys wait a little longer. So we're going to have to do the same thing, which isn't great for the podcast content, but it could be great for the football team in the long run.
0: Right. I mean, it's like we gave an example, but I'll just throw out somebody who was on campus this weekend. uh, Jelani Thurman, right? Tight end, top 130 player, top 10 in his position. He's got 28 offers like he doesn't have any reason to commit right now. He's going to sit around. He's going to wait and he's going to make sure. All right. I would love to go to fill in the blank, Georgia, Alabama. But what if they sign the third and sixth ranked tight ends? Well, okay. I'm not going to go there. So he's just going to kind of sit and wait see what else happens, right? And and so that's the type of player that we're going after in a lot of cases that have that kind of luxury, basically, where like you said, I may quote unquote, take almost regardless of where I end up going. So I'm going to wait till the kind of musical chairs all fill up, and then make my decision based on all that information. So it's a different game that we're playing and it's it's a little bit nerve-wracking it's a, you know we were kind of talking about you got to have some backup plans right because what if david hicks and you know all these star defensive linemen that we're trying to bring in what if none of them commit and it sounds like pessimistic but it's a reality that we are not on the level of alabama lsu georgia a lot of the schools that are recruiting these kids it's a very realistic possibility that most of them don't go to Michigan State. So if we don't get any of them, well, who are the backup plans? Right? Where when does that start coming into play? It's it's a little bit stressful right now, but you know, we're hoping we're dealing with it. It's
1: important to remember I, I mentioned that some of the lower guys will commit earlier. It's important to remember that commits aren't commits until they sign a paper. Mm-hmm. I mean to to imitate Graham couch the best that I can a commitment's <laughs> not actually a commitment um so you might see a lot of guys in the three star range already committed, but that's not to say Mel Tucker comes knocking in the fall that they wouldn't you know get hot pants so uh, it's a long game. It's why we don't dive too far into recruiting typically. The problem is this time of year, it's all everyone else is focused on because it's really the only thing going on. So it's hard to avoid it, but it changes a lot. Uh, Unexpected stuff happens all the time. And at the end of the day, almost everything happens behind closed doors. So it's really impossible to get ever get the full story. Um, But fingers crossed, we have these guys coming on campus. Some definitely, I would say, the highest frequency of these kinds of recruits coming onto campus probably ever in MSU history Um, at least since, you know, college football kind of became mainstream and, and big time, but uh, it's exciting time. Enjoy it. Enjoy the photos of Mel Tucker posting in front of a Jeep with Jaden Wayne. Um, Just have fun with it and don't get your hopes too high about any one dude. We'll see uh, come February what this all looks like.
0: Yeah. So, It's been, it's been a whirlwind. Like you said, if you're following the recruiting, if not, it's, it's been pretty dry, but it is almost for some publications and it's already here for other publications, college football preview mag seasons. One of my favorite times of the year. I love flipping through these things. I was on my flight back from Phoenix visiting my brother was at the airport, little like convenience store kind of thing to grab uh, you know, a bottle of body armor and a couple packages of M&M's. And I saw the college football preview mag here, and I was like, all right, let's go. Flip through this thing for three and a half hours. We're going to talk about some things that I found interesting. We're going to have Scott guess some of the things that I found interesting because he has not read this. But before we do, DraftKings – the official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet get $150 in free bets instantly. If you're looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA finals with a same game parlay, you can do just that. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 same game parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, How many three-pointers this player will make, rebound, steals, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Bet just $5. uh, Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So I picked up the preview mag. This is the Lindy's sports college football preview. Uh, Lindy's has been in the business for ages. They're one of the, I would say one of the three kind of staples of college football preview. There's there's Lindy's, there's Athlon, and there's Phil Steele. And then there's Pick Six, who's done a great job. But has kind of recently come into the game. There's a couple other newer ones, but of the kind of uh, the OGs, if you will, this is kind of where we're sitting. And I picked this up, flipped through it for about three and a half hours, found a lot of interesting stuff. We are going to get to it. Uh, First of all, we'll just kind of flip through some of the kind of rankings some things we'll we'll chat about that and then i have some specific topics that we'll get to um scott we've talked a lot about how michigan state in a lot of these like way too early rankings has been almost Like surprisingly high, but almost like high enough to where it's starting to make us a little nervous, right? Seen a lot of top 10, top 15 even. So Lindy's had us at number 20 in the country for the preseason rankings. That was just ahead of Cincinnati, USC, and Houston, just behind BYU, Wake Forest, and Ole Miss, couple things that they mentioned the good news is that uh mel tucker really works the portal well he's got jalen berger jarek broussard coming in to try to replace kenneth walker peyton thorne better than you think uh and Jaden reed is back bad news offensive line must be sorted out uh four starters gone from the offensive line and depth in question and uh, that all sounds about right right Number 20 initial thoughts there. How do you feel about it without going too deep into, you know, who's ahead of us and who's behind us?
1: Yeah. I mean, as, as these rankings have come out throughout the off season, I agree like top 10 has felt uncomfortably high. Just having an intimate knowledge of the gaps in this roster and what we saw last year in certain areas, it was like, all right, are they just giving us this because you know, we're up and coming, we had 10 wins and we still have a solid rotation, wide receivers and quarterback. Um, top 15 was even like, I don't know, like, yeah, if things pan out. That seems reasonable. Top. T- I mean, 20 feels like right for what kind of how I feel right now, knowing where the offensive line is and knowing where the past defense is. I'm like, it's so hard to just fully expect them to get better, especially on the offensive line where we lost so much. You're banking on a lot of youngsters to pan out. Um, the past defense I think has a better chance of taking a big step forward because it's the same personnel and then some for the most part. Um, so you wouldn't expect them to get worse, although anything is possible. Um, But just knowing kind of, like I said, where the gaps are in this roster, top 20 feels about right. Now, I will say when you mentioned who was just ahead of us, BYU, Wake Forest, Ole Miss, I'm like, okay, maybe top 15 makes sense because like (laughs) you actually have to find, to put us at 20, you got to find 19 teams that are clearly better than us. And I'm not sure I could if I was really sitting down to look at it, but um, I like that. And I know we're going to get a little bit more into the details, and I probably already shoved a few chips at the center of the table. Um, But it feels right. Top 20. Yeah. Number 20.
0: Elsewhere, they had us ranked third in the Big Ten East behind Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, In terms of the national rankings, the Big Ten teams ahead of us, for those curious, they had Ohio State at number two, Michigan at number six, which was – Felt a little high, but all right. Uh, and Wisconsin at 16 was a couple spots ahead of us as well. Uh, Penn State was not ranked in there. Uh, they were ranked 27th, Iowa 28th. Uh, let's see. The, uh, the next highest Big Ten team was a, a little ways down here. Uh, Nebraska at 48, Maryland at 49. So right up in the thick of things in the Big Ten. Um, they just as a kind of promotion for Lindy's, I guess they did do also a full page feature separate from the Michigan state feature, uh, on Jaden Reed, which is pretty cool to read. They had some good NIL tidbits. They had, uh, they have a, a ton of stuff in here, but we're going to focus on Michigan state. Uh, a few of these things I did not really prepare Scott at all for. A few of these things, I gave him a a little template of, of generally what we're looking for and to make some guesses. So looking at just the national landscape, right? We talked about the national ranking, Michigan State ranked number 20. Lindy's went ahead and ranked the position groups of every team in the country, so the, the way that they did this, as I'm flipping to the right page, was the backfield. So your, your top 10 backfields, which is just combining the quarterback and the running back, uh, wide receiver groups, you had offensive line, defensive line, kind of the standard there, uh, linebackers and defensive backs. I believe, were the other ones. Yeah, linebackers and defensive backs. So backfield, receivers, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, defensive backs. All of these position groups had a top 10 listed. And Michigan State was in the top 10 in one of these groups. And Scott, I gave you a little bit of time to prepare for this one. Who do you think... Michigan State has ranked in the top 10 nationally as a position group.
1: I would be amazed if it wasn't wide receiver.
0: You will be amazed. It is wow. not wide receiver.
1: All right, don't don't give it up then. I got to go through it now. I really thought it would be a clear cut because like I can think of downsides to all of our position groups. I'll uh, give
0: you another hint. You will be amazed. Just period.
1: <laughs> wow!
0: Not just because it's not wide receivers, but just—I
1: mean, then I'm the thinking Lincoln's one of the bad two, like defensive backs.
0: Defensive backs. Wow!
1: Oh, wow. number
0: ten in the country. All right, we got to get the into short a blurb. I'll read it out here. Uh, Sparty added a big transfer in the form of cornerback Amir Speed, who actually started games for Georgia last season. Xavier Henderson gave Michigan State fans great news in the offseason se- off too when he announced he'd be back for a fifth season. He is the leader of this defense. That was all they really said. They had a pretty short blurb for all of these. Wow. Michigan State top 10. Of the de- I was shocked because I, I did the same thing as you. I saw the unit rankings. I saw the backfield. I was like, probably not, but let's scan through. Okay, no Michigan. Oh, receivers. Maybe we'll... Okay, no Michigan State. I just skipped offensive line. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> defensive line, no, we don't have any edge rushers. You know, linebackers, maybe we got a couple transfers in, you know, no. Okay. And then I saw our name and I was like, wait, was it, is that with defensive backs? <laughs> and I will say, to the credit of Lindy's here, it was refreshing to see a national publication ignore the 330 number the passing yards per game by opponents last season it was refreshing to see a national publication go past that cuz we've talked about that before that was it the best pass defense in the country last year absolutely not was it middle of the pack probably not was it the worst in the country no right just because we allowed the the most passing yards per game doesn't mean we are the worst in the country And it was nice to see Lindy's kind of say, you know what? I know the numbers were bad last year, but they've got some key pieces coming in. They've got some guys that should get better from last season. Now, even for me, I think this is a bit rich. (laughs) I would say we're definitely top 10 in the Big (laughs) Ten. Um I would, I would probably, you know, like we we've taught, we had a whole episode. I feel like about this. I would pretty comfortably say the defensive backs, or if we just call it the pass defense in general, is probably like top fifty, maybe top forty. And I'd I'd be pretty comfortable saying that top ten does feel, does feel a little bit rich, even for me who has been a staunch defender of the, the past defense did contextually. They say,
1: did they say what, where in the top 10? Number 10. Okay. So Just sneaking
0: into right. the back end there. Yeah.
1: Huh? Well, I hope they're right. I hope this is a situation where we're like standing too close to the painting and right. we, you know, can't see the beauty because we're too close to it. Uh, maybe there's something there. Maybe a mere speed is like, I, I still, I don't, he he was he lost his starting role like it's hard to think he's going to be an elite corner he could be great but elite losing a job it's hard to it's hard to trust um yeah. and we know like everyone else is pretty much the same known factor i wish we could get our safety sorted out we've talked about how much talent we have there and how we just can't seem to find the right spot for all but one of these guys um but we'll see maybe Maybe uh Lindy's knows more than we do. A couple do. more things.
0: I'll I'll kind of quick fire a couple things here, and you can stop me if you find anything particularly interesting. Uh nobody listed on the all American team. They had uh first and a second team, no Michigan okay. State players listed. They had position rankings, so like top twenty five quarterbacks. No, no Peyton Thorne on there which I I feel like he's right on the edge there, right? He's probably somewhere between like 20 and 30 going into the season for me. So, I mean, you're looking at some of the names in the back end of this. Tanner McKee from Stanford, I know has a lot of fans. Uh, Talia Tungavailoa was 23. So that might be contentious. All right. You told me to stop
1: you when I wanted to say something. I'm so tired of him getting so much credit. <laughs> he had a game last year with five interceptions. Like Maybe ah, six. It drives me nuts. He Iowa throws game, the ball right? 60 times a game and then gets credit yeah. for his yardage. I'm sorry. I'm sick of that one. It's been happening for two years now, and he's just not that good.
0: He's got the last name, though. Uh, Kadan Slovis transferring from UCLA to Pitt was 21. I think Peyton Thorne's better than him, but um you had cj stroud was number one aiden o'connell was number 12 he was the second ranked big 10 quarterback
1: 15 to 20 zone
0: yeah so you're looking at will levis from kentucky will rogers mississippi state spencer sanders oklahoma state he's garbage uh anthony richardson at florida uh jake hayner fresno state so yeah i feel like Again, I would put Thorne somewhere in 20 to 30. So not being in the top 25, I don't think it's the end of the world, but some of those names definitely tell the Atangubayoloa looking at you uh, a little contentious there. Top 25 running backs in the country. Nobody listed. I was a little surprised uh Broussard didn't sneak into the back end there. But he's really had one big year, right? Right. Wide receivers, Jaden Reed was listed. Top 20 wide receivers, Jaden Reed coming in at number seven. Some love for Jaden Reed here. Uh, behind only Jackson Smith and Jigba, Kayshaun Boutte, Jordan Addison, Quinton Johnson, Xavier Worthy, and Marvin Mins. So Jaden Reed, the seventh best wide receiver in the country heading into 2022. You
1: want to know why I love Jaden Reed? When you... What separates him from some of like the good, not great players we've seen come through East Lansing, like he does, he does, he gets the stats, right? He's got the good rapport with the quarterback. He does things technically well. He does things analysts love, but like when you just watch him play football, you can tell he's an excellent wide receiver. Like just the way that he catches the ball, the way that he gets around his man, it's, it's some, it's immeasurable. And I'm excited to see him getting that recognition because it was always a guy when he came in from Western that it felt like he was one of those, okay, really athletic. He could be something, guys, right? And he's like a name in the back of your head. You're like, okay, cool. But he's like coming from the Mac. You never really know. Um, And he's built himself up into a superstar. And I think the opportunity this season. We can talk about offensive line. We can talk about defensive backs and all the things that might hold this team back. But the fact that Peyton Thorne's getting out from under the wings of Kenneth Walker and Jaden Reed is an established superstar coming back. is going to be a really fun storyline to watch.
0: Yeah. And they had, like I said, they had a full page uh, feature on him, which was pretty cool to read some good tidbits there, but yeah, Jaden Reed, number seven, Uh, No offensive linemen, no tight ends. Uh, Not a huge surprise. They only had five tight ends listed. So maybe if they went through 20, that Daniel Barker might show up. But Uh, no defensive ends, no defensive tackles, no linebackers, but no corners. But Xavier Henderson finds his name as the ninth best safety coming into the season. Top 10. They say he is durable with 33 consecutive starts and productive with 235 career tackles and three interceptions. Number nine safety in the country going into the year.
1: I feel like Xavier Henderson's had a full on NFL career at Michigan state. I know at this point. like he's, <laughs> he's done getting better Two he's contracts in. playing forever. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely off his rookie contract. Uh, what is it fifth or it's his fifth year, right? But he started as a freshman. So he has played barring some injuries here and there five straight, or he will have played five straight years. It's a long time to have your, your Jersey flashing yeah. across the TV sets.
0: So the, the other listed player was Jaden Reed. Again, he was, they had another category for all purpose players and he was number two behind only deuce on at Kansas state. Bryce Berenger, not included, just the absolute sham that is Lindy's, not listed in the top eight punters going into next year. That's just
1: I believe Mal Kiper, Depending on what whose <laughs> whose opinion you value more, the great Mal Kuiper or Lindy's Sports, Mal Kuiper had <laughs> Bryce Berringer I think That's as lovely. the number one specialist yep. this class. I mean. Let's be real. Very A very small percent of football analy- analyst resources go towards specialists. But we are absolutely playing into the Bryce Beringer disrespect narrative any chance we get. Uh, I think right. it'll he's, be pretty...
0: He's out there right now kicking balls into a net just seething at Lindy's right now. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. tomorrow and put some balls in the net.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you could like angry train as a kicker you could like start <laughs> kicking heavier things than football i can tell you
0: as a former kicker that is not a good place to be <laughs> angry kicking is not a good place to be
1: <laughs> well bryce Beringer, it's no secret and i will put my non-existent house on this he is a top five punter in the country
0: Especially with the guys leaving last year, because there were a ton of, we talked about it last season, especially in the big 10, like not listed for the Ray guy and stuff. And it was like, well, this is like a, a, an oddly generational punting year (laughs) for the country. But most of those guys graduated out. So you're left with like Tory Taylor at Iowa as a stud. Um, that kid at Rutgers that I can't think of his name. Cause I already flipped the page Corsack or something. He's back. Like there's, there's a bunch of good players coming back too, but I don't know about eight better than, uh, Bryce Berenger. I feel
1: like the punter at Rutgers is like quarterback at Alabama. <laughs> it's like first thing Greg Shano needs to do every recruiting class is get his guy at punter.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, he's like the quarterback at Maryland where he's you know he gets like sixty attempts per game to pad the stats. Like the, the Rutgers punter just gets so many punts that
1: he, he graduates with the all-time most punt yards in NCAA history, <laughs> and it's like something he's afraid to frame on his wall because it just means yeah. his teams were the worst teams in the country every year. Hey, it gets it
0: gets you more action, I guess. Uh, So so heading over to the Big Ten, we'll talk about some of the Big Ten stuff and then we'll we'll finish it off with just the Michigan State section of the of the magazine here. But picking the Big Ten again, we already mentioned they had Michigan State third in the Big Ten East behind Ohio State and Michigan, the MVP of the Big Ten. CJ Stroud, no surprise there. Offensive Player of the Year, Travion Henderson, running back at Ohio State, not a huge surprise there. Defensive Player of the Year, Jack Campbell, li- uh, linebacker from Iowa, and newcomer of the year, they had Casey Thompson, quarterback at Nebraska, formerly at Texas. Uh, Big Ten, all Big Ten teams. I'll have you. Maybe I'll have you guess this one on the fly. Uh, first team. We had one player on offense, one player on defense. Uh, any guesses there? We might have had some
1: hints earlier in the episode. Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed, yeah?
0: Yeah, Jaden Reed okay. offense. And, and one uh, purposes,
1: one first-team so. defense? Yep. Uh, probably Xavier Henderson?
0: Xavier Henderson, right. They had him top 10 in safeties coming back for all of college right. football. So first-team All-Big Ten safety. We had one offense and one defense second team. So maybe this is a little more interesting. And nobody on the third team.
1: Uh Aiden O'Connell would have been number two for quarterback. Yep. Um was Peyton Thorne above Cade McNamara, by the way. I don't know if Cade. Was uh, Cade anyway. was not
0: listed, so they were
1: I think everybody's avoiding Throwing the Michigan a quarterback situation <laughs> with the ten-foot pole because they don't yeah. even know you can't put Cade McNamara as your twentieth best QB and then JJ <laughs> McCarthy starts the year. Um, okay, so offense. Um, one of the running backs. I'd be surprised nope. if they put
0: one on there. This one's this one's a bit of a surprise. JD Duplaine, okay. offensive lineman.
1: I mean I think he's been the safe name for like the best offensive lineman on the team this year. I think everybody's right. been pretty Most much
0: like experienced.
1: Yeah, there's guys who th- might have a higher ceiling but just haven't been consistent enough. He's been around and he's played started two seasons now I think and been a strong player. So that makes sense. On defense, I want to say Jacob Slade because I'm dying for him to get some recognition.
0: Yeah, okay. Jacob
1: Slade.
0: Uh got got there. They just listed four defensive linemen which I always hate when people do that because then it just ends up being all edge rushers with a bunch of sacks. So that almost makes it more impressive that Jacob Slade got his name in there. But uh, yeah, and that's, that's all that's listed for the all big 10 team. The last kind of big 10 wide thing. And I, I gave you a little bit of time to prepare for this as well. They did kind of the superlatives, right? It's like, um, after your senior season or after your senior year at high school, they have all of the, you know, most likely to be famous and and all that kind of stuff. So they did that with the big 10 going into this year, the categories, um, Scott, you already have these, but just for the, the listeners, most accurate passer, strongest arm, best scrambler, coolest in the clutch, toughest to bring down, Best hands, most dangerous deep threat, best pass blocker, best run blocker, best pass rusher, best cover corner, and special teams demon. So mostly offensive uh, categories, and of those, half of them are quarterback categories, so we know where they're leaning here. Um and Scott, there were two Michigan State players that were named here. So we're thinking big ten wide of all these categories, two were Michigan State players. And I want you to guess which two categories and I guess which two players were listed in the big Ten superlatives by. Lindy's. Okay.
1: I want to say Jaden Reed coolest in the clutch, but I don't even know if that might just be a quarterback category.
0: It is a quarterback category. Jaden Reed was on here.
1: Best hands or best deep threat? Coach. Probably best deep threat.
0: He was listed for best hands.
1: Okay. Jayden. Well, I could see both. Uh so
0: Jaden Reed best hands was one of the Michigan State players selected. The other one, little bit of a surprise for
1: me. It's not, I don't think it's Thorne. It could be. I'd be mean, coolest in the clutch, maybe, but um, I mean, they didn't give much love to a lot of MSU players. I don't think. I mean, uh, what were the defensive categories?
0: Uh, the only defensive categories were best pass rusher and best cover corner. Hey, and then there was also the special teams demon.
1: Is that like an athlete on special teams or like a specialist?
0: Uh, I will say that it's a returner. It's not a Michigan State player.
1: All right, I'll go Peyton Thorne, coolest in the clutch.
0: It is Peyton Thorne, not coolest in the clutch. It's a little surprising, Peyton Thorne, best scrambler. Huh. I, I think he is a good scrambler, right? And he is good kind of navigate in the pocket and he is good. They did a lot of play action last year where, you know, a little bootleg kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I guess you have to segment that out from like best dual threat where there's like written right. run plays and just isolate pure scrambling. Okay. And it's not the most athletic quarterback, but you know,
0: the other thing I thought about after I read it, there are a ton of dual threat quarterbacks in the big 10 right now. Like C.J. Stroud's not a runner. Talia. Uh, He he had like a a 50-yard touchdown last year. O'Connell's not a runner. Clifford is, but he's just bad. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) He is a solid scrambler. He burns us every year. Actually, that's usually designed QB draws
0: yeah graham graham mertz not a not a runner uh petrus at iowa not a runner like there just aren't really any mobile quarterbacks right Petras now Iowa
1: was hardly a quarterback at all
0: <laughs> uh minnesota who's the guy at minnesota coming back for his like 15th year? He's not a, yeah all right so yeah uh peyton thorne was best scrambler jaden reed best hands uh, I'll just run through it real quick. So most accurate passer was Aiden O'Connell. I think they nailed that one. Uh, strongest arm, they put C.J. Stroud. Sure. I would even argue, like, you could put J.J. McCarthy on there. The guy's got a cannon for all yeah. of that we laugh
1: about. I'll say this but, uh, once yeah. because it's the depth of the offseason, and I don't think people are going to dig it up later, but maybe they will. I'm kind of worried about J.J. McCarthy. <laughs> like, he's pretty clearly the best quarterback recruit that's come to Eastland or Ann Arbor in a long time. Yeah, uh, so I so like. Do think he fingers is, crossed. Cade starts.
0: Yeah, I test. I he is better than the Tate four Cs and the. Um, there was another big time recruit that flamed out, but you know he's he seems better than those. Who was the guy who went to Arkansas? He he hung around the league. Ryan 50. Mallett. mallet. Yeah. 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 He was like six uh,
1: seven, wasn't he?
0: right <laughs> uh toughest to bring down they had braylon allen at wisconsin that dude is an absolute <laughs> beast most dangerous deep threat jackson smith and jigba uh paris johnson best pass blocker ryan or peter Skoronsky at northwestern best run blocker best pass rusher nick herbig at wisconsin best cover corner denzel burke at uh, ohio state Special Teams Demon was Terry Roberts at Iowa. I'm pretty sure he just entered the transfer portal recently. So maybe we can put uh Jaden Reed in there. Otherwise, um there they did list a couple of like the big games this season through the Big 10. Uh Michigan State at Wisconsin, Ohio State at Michigan State, Wisconsin at Michigan State, Michigan State at Michigan, Michigan State at, Michigan, Michigan State at Penn State were all listed, so uh, pretty pretty daunting schedule we got here with a lot of big games on it. And last but not least, let's actually get to the Michigan State page where we have a little more stuff to get to here. Um, they had, you know, just the general write up. They had the top recruits of this of this cycle, which aren't surprising to anybody. Projected starters. there wasn't really anything that caught my eye there. Um, they did have the projected MVP who they listed as Jaden Reed, the emerging star as Keon Coleman and the top newcomer as Amir speed. None of those like particularly stand out or I super surprised.
1: Throw one thought in there on emerging star. Um, I know Keon Coleman's really popular and I love the guy, but I would hesitate to call him an emerging star. I think he's a guy with a lot of potential and it's really exciting, but like, let's face it. He wasn't on the field I mean, all that much. He caught one touchdown last star year. Star. If I had to pick an emerging star yeah. on this roster, I'll probably go Darius Snow because I think he's the youngest yeah. guy who's really flashed.
0: Right. Who like actually could be a star in 2022. Right. right. Yeah. Kian Keon, Keon Coleman could on the two-year emerging star program, I don't know about the 2022 emerging star program just yet, right? So the last thing I want to talk about is they had the three big questions, and they did this for every team, right? Pretty standard stuff. What are what are the questions we need answered if we're going to need to, you know, kind of predict this season? They listed three questions. We're going to try to answer those three questions, and we'll try to think if if there's one more that we're missing here, any any question that we're just kind of wrap trying to wrap our heads around that that would really leave us with you know like um, Josh Pate of CBS or twenty four seven, they're the same company. Um, he does the padlock stats, where it's like after the game you know, this team was 10 for 14 on third down. He's like, if you would have told me that going into the game, that this team would be 10 for 14 on third down, I would lock in. That team is going to win 100%, right? So like, what would be, if we could answer this question right now, then it would give me a very clear vision of of like what this season's going to look like, right? That's kind of how I'm looking at it. They had three questions. Number one, I think is the the biggest question. We've talked about it a ton. Will the offensive line prevent MSU from reaching its potential?
1: So yes and no. I'll say no first, but I'll explain. Um,
0: See, I think think, yes. I think yes first. So
1: (laughs) I think no, because the offensive line is going to define the amount of potential this team has it may hold other position groups from reaching their potential, but like you're only as strong as your weakest link. If you know the offensive line has 100 potentials, if we're measuring potential, say they have a hundred and everyone else is better then the team has 100 as their potential. If that makes yeah. sense. Um It will define the ceiling of this team though.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, we've talked about it a bunch, but it's like, okay, you have a returning quarterback who we know is pretty good. You have a couple playmakers on offense who we know are pretty good. We have a defense that I think has a much higher floor than last year and a much higher ceiling than last year. But that offensive line, like when you go against Penn State every year has pass rushers. Ohio Wisconsin State this year every apparently year.
1: has number one, according to Lydia. Wisconsin
0: every year has pass rushers. Michigan every year has pass rushers. And it's like, if you can't block, what are you gonna do? And when our biggest question marks are at tackle, it's like that's that's a big deal. So yeah, that's 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 the number one big question for me going into this year. If if you could tell me like Michigan State will have a top 15 offensive line in the country next year. I'm placing my bet today that we're going to win 10 games. But yeah. if you tell me that Michigan State's going to have a bottom 25 offensive line next year, I'm probably taking the under on our on our current. I think I saw our current over under is like seven and a half. Probably say we're gonna win like seven games, maybe down to six games. Like it's not an easy schedule. We're playing at Washington, at like even some of the games we should win, right? Washington's not great, but we're playing them three time zones away in Seattle. Maryland is not a great game or great team, but we're playing them at Maryland. That always adds a little wrinkle at least. Michigan and Penn State on the road are crossover games. Minnesota, Wisconsin. Like it's it's not an easy schedule. And with a bad offensive line, it's tough to find some wins there.
1: Yeah, the challenge now is that not so much the offensive line, but just looking at that schedule, it took our opponents the better part of half the season to find the weak spot, right? And and then once a couple teams, really after like the Purdue game, once a couple teams really exploited the secondary, everyone down after- the stretch was like, yeah. okay. Yeah that's where we're going first. So this season, that's where they're going to start. Like, I don't know about week one, because I, I'm hoping we don't have to stress too much about that. But very early <laughs> in the season, Washington, they're going to try to throw the ball right off the bat and see right. what we're made of after an off season of working on this. And last season, we had the advantage of only having like, what was two seasons ago, 2019 was like seven games of, of tape. And it was with an entirely different roster and a brand new coaching staff. Like we're starting to develop tendencies now. And if we don't make improvements from where we were bad last season or where we lost talent last season, uh, it's going to be a lot earlier in the season when things start to emerge. So, and,
0: and we've talked privately about playing Ohio state early, being a benefit like we play him in week six but to your point ohio state's gonna attack the crap out of that pass defense and they're gonna make sure that you know but before then we will have played western michigan who in theory shouldn't test us too much akron same way uh washington had a terrible offense last year but they're gonna try minnesota eighth year quarterback coming back you never know and then Maryland right before Michigan we know Maryland's gonna throw the ball so you know we're gonna get tested relatively early in the passing game and like you said it's uh, it's gonna be a sink or swim on on that element as well second big question according to Lindy's who replaces Kenneth Walker the third? this I still think like I think it's I think it's overblown by some and underrated by others. Like there's a lot of Michigan state fans who I've already seen it. Jarek Broussard won the power award for week one of Jason Novak's program. And I saw like eight comments about the next Kenneth Walker. (laughs) Like (laughs) there are Michigan state fans who are very much underrating this question, but there are also a lot of, um, Non Michigan State fans who are, I think, overblowing it a little bit too much to where it's like, again, you know, Kenneth Walker was generational for a college program, unbelievably good. But I'm very confident that we have two good running backs coming in, not two great running backs, but two good running backs. And that, again, going back to the first question, <laughs> the offensive line, depending on their progress, uh, I think the running backs will be all right. But the who replaces Kenneth Walker question, it's like, well, nobody, because nobody can replace that. But I think the running backs that we have will be just fine.
1: Yeah, we're also not going to try to replace Kenneth Walker's production one to one with running backs, right? Like who replaces Kenneth Walker? Jay Johnson in the way the, that he calls the offense, right? Right. Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed replace part of what we lost in Kenneth Walker. Like you you build a different game plan based on your personnel. So yeah, I don't think it's fair. Obviously it's not fair to expect anyone to be Kenneth Walker. Good. Uh, He had potentially the best single season in MSU history. There's I mean, certainly top three uh, as a running back. So, Um, but when you look at putting points on the board, you do have to replace his, effectiveness as an offensive weapon somewhere if you want to have the same or greater level of talent. So uh, where does that come from? Sure, a little bit of Broussard and, and Berger, but also I think a lot more on Peyton Thorne's shoulders uh, to move the ball down the field. That's um, Actually, I'll save that for my last question. It'll be a little hint, Peyton Thorne based.
0: Okay. Uh, so third question they had, we, we've already touched on this quite a bit today. How much better will the pass defense be? And they had us ranked, again, the top 10 defensive back group in the country. So they expect us to be a lot better, <laughs> which is interesting. But uh, yeah, how much better do we expect the pass defense to be? Is that, I mean, that is one of the big questions, right? Like as much as I defend that it wasn't as bad as it was made out to be last season, Uh, It was definitely still not good. (laughs) So we're going to need to improve that quite a bit either way. And it is important, again, based on the teams we're playing. We're playing Maryland. We're playing Ohio State. We're playing even Michigan now. You know, we're playing teams that can throw the ball. And we're playing a lot of teams that if we can't defend the pass, we're going to lose to. So,
1: Yeah. I think an underrated factor in this conversation as well is the lack, well, not the lack of talent, but the loss of talent and experience in the edge rushing group. I know we're bringing in Brandon Jordan, but we're still working with kind of a piecemeal personnel in the edge rushing, which means if you can't generate pressure on the quarterback, you're putting a ton of pressure on your defensive backs to stay with receivers through the first break across the field, I mean, you gotta, you gotta pressure the quarterback to have an effective pass coverage unit. And that's a huge question mark. I think if we had consistent pressure, I think we would be looking at a pretty good season coming up for the defensive backs. I just don't know if we have that in the arsenal. I mean, it's going to have to be a Brandon Jordan masterclass with the guys that we have. So but if we're looking specifically at the defensive backs, um, I said it earlier. Like we know what the floor is; it, it is what we saw last year. Like we have all those guys again, and then we have Amir Speed, who may or may not be a hit. Even if he's not a hit, okay, we still have the guys we had last year. So that is your floor. You bring in a lot of talent at safety and freshmen who you can make cool packages around. There's other guys who have been who were in their first or second last year year last year who may not have been you know field ready but this might be the year they start to emerge guys that kind of get lost in that post-enrollment pre um difference maker kind of couple of years waiting in the wings so yeah the the floor last year is what we saw the floor this year is what we saw from them last year and i expect them to get better um so from a defensive back perspective, they should be serviceable. Maybe mid-conference, if I had to, to guess, I think would be a reasonable expectation for them. I don't think they're going to be an elite Big Ten group. But apparently, some people out there do. <laughs> and and you you kind of tease
0: your big question to add to the bucket here. I'll start with mine because I think they might be related. Um, my big question is, connected to something you just brought up what is the encore for jay johnson look like because in 2020 his first season at michigan state we didn't have a ton of offensive talent we had a bad quarterback and everything that you know we all watched we know we had 4.6 yards per play which was 109th in college football now last season We obviously, we add Kenneth Walker, we, you know, revamp the offense, new quarterback, the whole thing, and we bump up to six yards per play, which was 34th in the country. A huge jump, an extra yard and a half per play, and was, again, was that Kenneth Walker? Was that Peyton Thorne? Was that Jaden Reed? Was that Jay Johnson and his brilliant play calling? Like, let's find out and this is going to be the year where, where Jay Johnson really earns his salary because your generational running back is gone, you have four starting offensive linemen out the door, and you have a good quarterback, you have a good receiving core. People all kind of acknowledge that. You have a good tight end. You have good running backs. So how do you kind of channel all of that to keep this offense going forward. And one of the frustrating things last year, even given the good season that it was, was the inability sometimes to sustain drives. It was big plays or it was nothing, right? There was very few like drives where it was like three third down conversions or something. You just kept the chains moving, which gives your defense a break which flips field position, which is a big deal. Like there is more than just getting yards and points. And I'm very curious to see how Jay Johnson comes out this year and attacks defenses relative to last year. And can we keep this production going? Uh, Because at the end of the day, you don't score points, you don't win, but with this quarterback and with this group of wide receivers, I think there's, there's a bit of pressure on him. because there's, there's some expectations that we're going to go out there and score like we did last year. So how can Jay Johnson kind of take this new bag of, of toys, players, whatever you want to look at it and kind of turn that into similar production while again, increasing that, you know, time of possession, things that people think are stupid and, and meaningless, but, we saw with the pass defense last year how important some of that stuff can be, just simply holding on to the ball a little bit longer.
1: Yeah, I know we're in kind of a new age of college football with flashy, high-performance offenses that get down the field quickly. But um, And some things about old-school football will just phase out. But I think you have to give a little bit of credence to the things that college football coaches have been preaching for 100 years or however long people college football coaches have been preaching – Almost every football coach talks about time of possession as a key performance to borrow a business term, a KPI, key performance indicator. Um
0: and and quickly, the ones who don't never win. When right. Baylor has never won a national title. Baylor's never made it to the playoff, right? Like Ole Miss has never like those teams are fun and they win games, but they we don't talk about
1: change a few episodes ago, we talked about Oregon when they were at their peak and how fun they were to watch. They never won a national championship. And we were both amazed that they never did because they always had one of those teams where the whole season you were hearing about them, the whole season you were hearing about the talent they had, the speed they had, but they never reached the pinnacle of the sport. So I think time of possession is key. I I like your question. I think it's an important one. I'm going to stay on the offense, but it is a different question. Um, can Peyton Thorne be a vol? i – I'll just borrow a basketball term – be a volume scorer? So yeah. can he be the – what the offense moves through to reliably score points? Last year, we reliably most of the time moved through Kenneth Walker, and that gave Peyton Thorne a lot of flexibility to add to that and make our team look really good. And don't get me wrong, Peyton Thorne played great football – it wasn't all just because everyone was focused on the run game, but this season, can we expect that Peyton Thorne will be the center of the offense and effectively score points again, back to the basketball analogy, is he going to be the guy you look to, to score first? Um, right. And,
0: and I'll take that. Cause I was just listening to the cover three podcast and they had a mailbag and they were asked about Stetson Bennett at Georgia. They're saying, why do you guys keep ragging on Stetson Bennett? He led a good offense. They were like top five in yards per play and all this stuff. And it was basically like, all right, look, nobody's saying he didn't lead a good offense. And obviously he's the quarterback. He was the leader of the offense. But in situations where you're playing against a team, the other team scores 40 points. Can this guy score 40? You know what? And that's that's the thing. It's like you can be a good quarterback. Nobody's saying he's bad, but can you put your team on your back and say, "All right, the running game isn't great right now, and our defense is letting up points, but I'm going to score every time we touch the ball because of me." Right? Like, yeah, that's that's a great question. Can Peyton Thorn elevate to being that guy that the defense knows you're passing and still can't stop it? right?
1: Yeah. And it's a big question. I mean, last season, there were a couple games when our running game got shut down. Sometimes Kenneth Walker was available. Ohio State, obviously, most of the day he was not. But like that Nebraska game, which (laughs) for the record, we absolutely stole. I mean, we had no, absolutely no business winning that game. They were dominating us. Their offense on and off. Their defense was dominating us. And we got a couple lucky breaks, but There were times in that game when Jay Johnson clearly flipped the page in the playbook and said, all right, we got to try something else to put the ball in Peyton Thorne's hands, and it was bad. I mean, that game, it happened to lesser degrees in other games as well. Ohio State was totally just a moral defeat right from the start, so I don't put too much uh, weight into that. But there were times when our running game slowed down, And, uh, and Peyton Thorne didn't always get the job done. Um in this season, that's going to be unless these running backs are, I would say, better than I expect. There are going to be times when we have to go into a game saying, Okay, Peyton, you gotta like you have to make plays to win us this game. And can he do that it is a huge question. We love him, but I don't think he had as much pressure on his shoulders last season than he's going to have this season.
0: And to your point, right? Like there's a huge difference between, hey, we between What Peyton Thornton did against Michigan, which again, we, in hindsight, like we applauded and say, Hey, the stats weren't great, but you made plays when it mattered. You, you know, made a couple clutch plays and won us the game, right? There's a difference between that and we didn't even need those clutch plays because you went out and got us 35 on your own, right? To your point, there's going to be games where you go up against a team and say, all right, Ohio state is going to score 35 points on our defense. There's nothing we're, we're going to do our best to contain it, but they're going to score 35. So we need you to score almost every time you touch the ball. And I hope he can do it. <laughs> I, I love Peyton Thorne. I, I really think, he has a, that ability to kind of go into that upper rung of college football tiers. The arm talent, you know, doesn't pop off the page like a lot of other players do, but I don't, I think some of that stuff gets overrated, right? If, if you put a ball where it needs to be, when it needs to be there, you don't need the Patrick Mahomes arm, right? Right. Look at how much, credit Aiden O'Connell's getting around the country this offseason. that that dude has a worse arm than Peyton Thorne does so you you get a guy who can move around a little bit who can throw a deep ball I mean Peyton Thorne has thrown plenty of deep balls in his career um I think he's got that shot and with this receiving group again giving him a little bit of a, a little bit of a wind at his back so to speak he just needs a little bit of blocking, but um we'll we'll see how that all plays out. But no, that's I think both of those are are really important questions here. Uh I'm really interested to see because I usually buy at least two or three of these preseason mags, and almost all of them have something like this, right? The three big questions, the one big question, the five big questions. I guarantee the offensive lineman is offensive line is on all of them. I guarantee Kenneth Walker is on all of them and I'm interested to see what other directions that
1: we go. Yeah. The biggest surprise for me was the defensive backs out of this. I guess I'll let it make me think I think they're wrong, but I'll let some part of me think like maybe I have it wrong. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's the case, but it's more fun to go through the off season thinking I'm wrong about something like that. So um, no, this was good. We'll try to pick up one of these every couple of weeks when things are Um, putzing along here through the summer
0: yeah it was was a good read like I said I you know this isn't a sponsorship by any stretch of the imagination but I thoroughly enjoyed three and a half hours on a flight flipping through this thing Uh, so for anybody who's curious out there it is available it seems like most places so if you want to pick up the Lindy's mag and see uh, all the stuff that we didn't talk about well be my guest I guess so we will see you uh, next week. We should be on schedule. We have nothing else uh, immediately concerning us before your wedding is in two weeks and then things might get off the rails a little bit again. Hopefully next week we have like a, a commitment or something to talk about. We have a bunch more visits, but like, I don't know. I'm not there. I don't know what their visit was like. You know. So it's it, it's really kind of uneventful to talk about a visit. When we don't really know what happened, besides that they went to Spartan Stadium, they had some meetings, they went to Mel Tucker's house, and you know I'm sure they all had a good time. I don't know. So we'll see you next week. Hopefully everybody has a great week. Again, we apologize for the absence here. We we really try like it's it, we we really try to get these out every week, and it, it's even frustrating for us when we don't. So hopefully everybody sticks with us. Have a great week. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you next week. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.